from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from the ESPN studios at Pier 17 in the Seaport District of New York City, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. With the divisional round of the playoffs here for the NFL, the game everybody has their eyes on, the Bills versus the Bengals. A game that's taking place in Buffalo and a game that's going to remind us all of the scene we saw just weeks ago involving DeMar Hamlin. Speaks to emotion, speaks to intensity, but it also speaks to two incredible teams trying to move forward in the playoffs. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Want to make sure everybody saw this in a statement. Hamlin's longtime friend and business partner, Jordan Rooney, said, quote, despite being out of the hospital, DeMar still has a lengthy recovery. DeMar still requires oxygen and is having his heart monitored regularly. He has visited with the team a few times, but he gets winded very easily. It's a reminder that DeMar Hamlin is still on this very long, lengthy road to recovery. But it's also a reminder that this is something that's around the team every single day. For some sense of all of this, we now well, we're joined. Our Wolfpack grows by one, as I always say, by Lorenzo Alexander, former Bills linebacker, two-time Pro Bowler. Uh, really appreciate the time, Lorenzo. I keep thinking about the emotion. And I know that we've already seen the Bills have to deal with emotion coming into a game after the DeMar Hamlin uh, incident, obviously. But now they're back on the field against the same team. How does the team manage the emotions of that moment in this moment? Yeah, I think that's something that they're going to have to uh, deal with, right? You know, at the beginning of the kickoff, pregame, kind of the anticipation of just getting out there. But I think after the first play or series, you kind of get back into the flow of the game and everything else kind of fades away. And that's just, you know, one of the great things about sports, that that field or in between the lines becomes your sanctuary. And I, you know, I think when you when you look at it from the perspective that uh, DeMar has also recovered um, significantly, right, 100% neurological um, um, recovery at this point, that's, that's the expectation. Obviously, he's uh, still working towards being able to have the ability to play again, but all we're worried about is his health, his life, and his ability to continue to impact people with the gifts that he's been given. And so I think when you think, look at all of that, I think that that this opportunity to go out here and play the Bengals won't be as, um, uh, I don't know, um, knee-jerking or emotional as it would have been if, if DeMar wasn't in the state that he was or is currently. Now, Lorenzo, i got to ask you this because this Bills organization, when Josh Allen has been their quarterback in the playoffs, they're 3-0 at home, they're 0-3 away from home. What has been the biggest difference at home for Josh Allen at the quarterback position? Um, I think he is comfortable. Um, I think, you know, anytime that you have Bills Mafia and that hometown crowd around you, it's easy to stay into the game because they energize you. Um, but the biggest thing for this team is going to be able to protect the football. So obviously that's Josh leading the way, uh, receivers and, and running backs holding on to it, um, and then the defense taking the ball away. That has really been the, 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 the crux of this team, whether or not they play at the high level that we're traditionally seeing them play or games are a lot closer. It's going to come down to that turnover battle, and that normally what rears his ugly head when this team struggles. And then I think also defensively being able to stop the run um, in Joe Mixon, and we know what he's capable of doing um, throughout this season and really throughout his career. I mean, you just mentioned the turnovers, and obviously we've been talking a lot about it on this show. What do you make of Josh Allen's turnovers this year? 
Yeah, I mean, they kind of been untimely. A lot of them, and I don't know, have the stats in front of me. It appears that they're in the red zone. So you're essentially taking points off the board, and that really energizes the defense and the team anytime that you can essentially say, hey, we took th- at least three points off, if not a touchdown. Uh, because those those moments right there, when you, even when you look back last week, you go from potentially being like one one with a drop, right? I don't count that as a turnover by um, Dawson Knox. It was 17, which could have easily been 24. But then there was also another time they were down there where it could have easily been an easy field goal uh, for the kicker, at, you know, if not a touchdown. And that, that allows a team to, to stay around, right? Um, those are huge momentum shifts especially when you thought last week when Miami went in and got the ball coming out. So they essentially double-dipped in some way, taking some points off, able to put some points on the board, and then come out and score a quick touchdown. And now they're right back in the, in the, in the phase of the game with, with Bills. These two teams met in Week 17. Granted, it was for a very short stint. What can the Buffalo Bills you know, learn from that first game, the few plays that they did actually have in that game? Yeah, I mean, that's that's hard. I mean, the first quarter, you're just really trying to fill a team out. Um, obviously, it's, it's still been a short time, so this, these teams haven't changed significantly um, over over, the, over that time span. Um, that game, I also, that was, was it was it at home or was it in? At Cincinnati. I can't remember what was that. It was, it was, in, Cincinnati. It was in Cincinnati, right? So I, it would be different if that game was back in Cincinnati because then you get a sense of the environment, right? You're back in a familiar place. Um, so that's going to change. So I don't know how much you can really take from that game um, outside of being a, being being familiar with the game plan and, and understanding your matchups, right? So uh, Chase is going to be Chase. Higgins is going to be Higgins, right? Burrow is going to be Burrow in the scheme that they run. And so you have a closer gap as far as the familiarity of game plan and their tendencies and understanding who they are as players. And I'll be honest with you, some of the things that I've seen early in that ball game was the Buffalo Bills were very blitz-heavy early on. And I don't mm. think that's necessarily the thing that they can do in this matchup because now you are leaving right. guys in that secondary on, on islands. And we did see Joe Burrow get in the groove before, you know, the DeMar Hamlin injury occurred. So I don't, I don't yep. think I think that's one thing they can adjust, uh, kind of take a page out of the Baltimore Ravens playbook. You know what? We're going to make Joe Burrow methodically work this football down the field versus giving up the home run. You had a pass interference call. Uh, may have been the first or second play. I know the first series on Tredarius White, on Jamar Chase, right? So I think yeah. it's a few things, few blitzes that they did run mm-hmm. early on that I don't necessarily think they can you know harp on so much in this matchup. Right. Maybe, right? And some on film told Sean and Leslie, let's let's light them up and let's try to get him sped up a little bit. And, you know, I'll take Tredavious White. Obviously, he's still coming off the ACL one-on-one with most people anytime in the league, and that, that play can go either way. And so I, I say this, right? They're off at the line in the, in the Bengals. They've also suffered additional injuries up front. True. And, yeah, there's some risk there when you blitz, but you guys like Matt Milano have a knack for getting home. Um, Johnson has a knack for getting home and tearing when when they do blitz. And so you want to still be able to be who you are. Obviously, there's some risk at it, but it's calculated strategic risk because you also don't want a guy when you lose people like Von Miller when the pass rush hasn't been there. You don't want Joe Burrow standing back there at all either. And so I think there's a cat-and-mouse game. Obviously, early in the game, you're trying to figure out just like a first 15 of an offense, uh, let's do all these different things. Let's see what we can get away with, and then let's make our adjustments you know, going to the second quarter at halftime, and, and a football team may not blitz as much based on what you just 
kind of uh, overview what happened in that first quarter. So there's always a cat and mouse game, but you cannot just say, oh, well, it's Joe Burrow, they got Higgins, they got Chase on the outside, they got these guys, let's just sit back. No, we also have guys that we trust on, on the back end that we think can hold up. Maybe not every single play, but they have the ability in these certain situations to, to win one-on-ones. And so you have to go back and forth with that, and you have to bank on your top players making plays at some point as well. Lorenzo, we appreciate your time, your insight. Lorenzo Alexander, former Bills linebacker, two-time Pro Bowler. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, my friend. I appreciate you guys anytime. Thank you. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. And AC, I just keep thinking about everything lining up. Like, if you're a Bills fan right now, mm-hmm. you know, obviously this has been a, a incredibly difficult time for all of us as we look at uh, Hamlin. But you got to look at it if you're a Bills fan and say, man, we get the Bengals at home. If we win this game, we are either going to get the Jags at home or we're going to go to a neutral site to play the Chiefs. I mean, if you, I cannot imagine a more tailor-made, scripted, amazing path to try and get to the Super Bowl than what the Bills have right now. It feels like, obviously, this is a huge game. I think Cincinnati versus Buffalo is, is by far the best game of the weekend. But if you're Bif- Buffalo, you got to look at it here and say, man, all we got to do is take care of business because the, the things have been stacked in the right way for us to be able to do that. Well, I, I just think you look at the Buffalo community um, as a whole and some of the things that they've been through this season, from the shootings in the grocery store to the snowstorm that left some people not to be with us anymore, the DeMar Hamlin situation. There's so many things that has happened within this city to the point to where right now I think they need the Buffalo Bills to you know show up and show out and win this football game in in advance. I, I just think it's, you know, when you have a city that has gone through so much, you know, trials and errors, they need the Bills right now. Uh, that's and I'll leave it at that. I think you're a thousand percent right. I, there's not there are moments in history that we can look at and say certain teams the whole country's pulling for. There there's certainly I mean I'm I'm not talking for Bengals fans right now I know but and most I meant people trial that, and error right. Uh, but <laughs> most s's off both of them. Um, most people that don't have any skin in the game right now are looking at this and saying, man. What a remarkable story it would be if Buffalo could win a Super Bowl. Tune in. College basketball got a doubleheader tomorrow. Kansas hosts TCU, followed by Tennessee at LSU. Two really good games. Coverage begins at 12.30 p.m. Eastern on select ESPN radio stations. Coming up, what one Super Bowl champion had to say about Joe Burrow is going to absolutely blow your mind. You'll hear it next. We'll react to it. Fitz and Harry on ESPN radio and the ESPN app. John Harbaugh said Lamar Jackson will be the Ravens quarterback next year. Breaking moves brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to linkedin.com slash sports. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. champions. I think that really is all that needs to be said in terms of the amount of respect that we have. 
What coaches fret the most in the NFL are turnovers mm -hmm. and explosive plays. Both of these teams turn it over, and both of these teams can rip your heart out with explosive plays. That's why it's going to be one of the most exciting games of the year. One week season, man. It's, that's it. It's all, all that matters is surviving and advancing. It doesn't matter how we win, it's if we win. We knew when the playoffs started that there was a chance in the divisional round we would get Bengals and Bills. What I never could have anticipated in that process is that the Bills would be what I consider to be a heavy favorite. The Bills favored right now by five and a half. The question is, what do they know that the rest of us don't know that they see this game with that wide of a spread? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, HC, you know me, like I like to dabble. You know, I'm a dabbler. I'm not a, I'm not a heavy, like I don't bet large amounts of money, but I, I like to bet a little on a lot, right? So I'm out You're there. You're not I'm, a turtle I'm, from the turtle club. Uh, You're a turtle, turtle. I don't, I, I, but, hmm, I'm a dirt. <laughs> Can somebody clip that off and just make sure that we have that for Like I'm the guy that puts like 20 bucks down here and, you know, 30 bucks pound down there. Like, mm -hmm. and I, I've wiggled my way up. Like I, I wiggle my way up to being way up. And then I talked to Fortinball and Fortinball's like, when you believe in something, you got to be aggressive. So then I lost all my money. So then I wiggle my Joe, way. How does Joe sound again? When you believe in something, you got to be aggressive. Go so, get him, Joe. So then I, I wiggle my way back up and then I lost. All right. So like I have this pattern, right? Mm -hmm. This is, for me this weekend, the first time that I've ever looked at something and said, now that just doesn't feel right to the point that I've actually put my money where my mouth is. Five and a half points feels like way too many in a game that I think is going to be classic and is a, a toss of the coin. I could see the Bengals winning this football game. Five and a half points, even in Buffalo, felt like too much. I basically I opened up my account and I said, how much is, is in there? Cool. I did what what you know rich people like you do. No, just, no. See, I'm going to stop you right there because you work out at Orange Theory. You doing that... Let's me know that you have money, my man. I, well, I don't have kids. You're, you're an orange kids. theory guy. I don't have kids. That's what the rich people go and work okay, out. Okay, you're right orange about that. Orange theory. Like, like I've, I've waited like years to go to orange theory because I've been like, I can't afford that. But now, I've been like, sitting on that before a while. Yeah, too. Man, no, that's fair. Like, yeah, but but like, look, I drive a Jeep Renegade. You want to tell everybody what you drive, Harry? You want to tell everybody what you drive? Uh, here's the humble uh, pie, Harry. Uh -huh. uh, not, yeah. Nothing. Okay. Okay. Perfect. All right. Uh, we won't talk <laughs> about that Porsche. Uh, but like I'm just saying, uh, I went into my my account uh, last night, mm -hmm. uh, and I I put it all in everything. Everything on the Bengals. I took the entire amount in there and said it's all going in on the Bengals. Why? Because five and a half feels like it's too much because I believe that much in this offense. And I'm not the only one. Ryan Clark, ESPN NFL analyst, was asked on Get Up, what makes the Bengals offense so good? Offensively, when you look at T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow, and we talk about it all the time on Monday, Joe Burrow always seems to know exactly what to do against each team. He is, to me, the best player playing at playing the quarterback position, not the best quarterback. He understands where the check down is. He understands where the holes in the defense. He knows when to take sacks, and he knows when to push the football and try to make extra plays. Mm. You believe in it? You buying it? 100%. Because is Joe Burrow the most talented at the quarterback position? No. But the way Joe Burrow stands in the pocket and always has two hands on the football, you know, understands what the coverage is going to be, how to hit his check down, but also don't sleep on the little bit of athleticism that he does have because there were multiple times I thought the Baltimore Ravens were going to sack Joe Burrow, but he's strong enough, he's slithery enough to get out of sacks and still deliver football, so go pick up a first down. I love his decision-making. 
And we all know the honoriness. We all know how he approaches the game. We all know what kind of fruit he has. Great fruits. Great fruits. Yeah, I said it. But I love the way he plays the quarterback position because if you're putting on a teaching tape to show young kids how the game of football is supposed to be played at the quarterback position, your teaching tape is going to be of Joe Burrow and what he's been able to do since he came into the National Football League. The biggest concern I think the Bengals have, Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, is their offensive line. And for any other team with any other quarterback in any other year, I would be wildly concerned about that. The fact is, though, we just saw what Burrow can do with a terrible offensive line a year ago right now. Like, he went to a Super Bowl with just an app. Like, you and I could have been better in front of him than his offensive linemen were, right? Like, he (laughs) went to the Super Bowl when he was getting absolutely demolished every time he dropped back. So right now, what I find myself doing, you know how much I love proof of concept. Like, once I see you do something once, I'm going to buy that you can do it again until I find out otherwise, right? So when I buy into proof of concept, I immediately look at this and say, well, Proof of concept tells me that you can absolutely handle playing with no offensive line in front of you. Proof of concept shows me that the offense knows how to adjust to make sure that they can get Jamar Chase open fast enough. And by the way, when you have as many different weapons, like we all talk about Jamar Chase, I get that. But like, let's include T. Higgins in this conversation. Let's include Joe Mixon in these conversations. There isn't just one outlet for him. There are multiple outlets for him. And that's part of when you are a great quarterback that has your head on a swivel, that's not afraid to get absolutely murdered behind the line of scrimmage and you can still get it out to an outlet yes. you have multiple outlets man that I can't yes. bet against Moxie but here you just you brought it up Fitz we've seen this story a year ago we've seen Joe Burrow get sacked nine times versus the Tennessee Titans and still be able to win a ball game in the Super Bowl are y'all forgetting how many times he got sacked in that one he got sacked seven times and they still had an opportunity to win now granted their offensive guard at the time, Quentin Spain, who I happened to play with in Tennessee, mm-hmm. pooped a bed. Yes, there's that word again. I bring up poop again. Boo-boo the pooped bed. Pooped a bed. Boo-boo the bed. Got swatted out of the way by Aaron Donald. Doo-doo the bed. And he stopped that from happening. But at the end of the day, there was still in the game with seven sacks being allowed from the Rams. I'll be clear. 16 sacks in two games we're talking about right now. I will be clear. If Aaron Donald was standing across from me, I would probably do-do the bed also. But I will say this. Oh, my God. There, like, there you go with the doo-doo. So- sacks? Sacks <laughs> in the playoffs where, like, Oprah was standing on the sideline. You get a sack. You get a sack. You get a sack. Not even just the sacks. Yep. Quarterback hits. You get a hit. You get a hit. You get it every single But he week. never wavers, Fitz. Like, he never... His body language never changes. But that lets you know it doesn't bother him. Like, he on to the next play. How, how are we going to overcome it? I'm telling how you. How are we going to overcome it? That's you, his mindset. You know my love of 80s wrestling. And, like, back in the day, I was never a Hulk Hogan guy. I was more of a macho man guy. But, you know, you know, Hulk Hogan would have the arm up once when he was in the sleeper hole. It would fall yeah. to the mat. And it, the second time, the arm falls almost to the mat. The third time, it just right before it hits the mat, he starts shaking the arm, starts raising the arm. He's bringing the arm up for everybody. And then no matter how many times you hit him, he just starts taking those big breaths. <laughs> you can't stop Hulk. That's what Joe Burrow felt like last year. The yep, only difference is that, you know, Joe Burrow's stuff isn't staged. Uh, well, okay. You know what? I, 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 thank you. I'm Captain Obvious on that one. You know, but still, I love the about and and state states. You know, cor- well, you choreographed. Hurt me. You hurt me. 
Look, <laughs> staged. I've stood across from some of these WWF guys, WWE guys in modern day. Like, mm-hmm. I, they scare me. I'm not going to, you can say that. I, I'm too scared of all of them. Like, Triple H came to campus one time and I had to do an interview with him. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I was thinking, like, seriously, I'm, I, his legs are bigger than my whole body. Like, Triple H's <laughs> leg, bigger than me. Top, like, Evan, Evan could actually, like, Triple H could, Evan could ride on his backpack, our producer extraordinaire, and it really would look like Luke Skywalker and Yoda. Like, that's how big, that's how big Triple H is. Evan so, no would, lie, I literally used to get detention in, like, middle school because I would ask, like, my teacher a question, and I would hear the way, it doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> <laughs> I also love that Evan's looking at me like, how did I take a stray there? All I was doing was sitting here having a good time, and Evan all of a sudden is finding out, like, Evan's just... You're not, you're not a big guy, Evan. That's all. He's not, not a big guy. Oh, my God. He's, are you sitting down, Evan? No, you're no, standing, he's standing up. up. He's standing up. Oh. Evan's like two foot seven, 18 pounds. So, you know, I, I think Evan <laughs> Evan and Yoda, if they armor, Evan has left, <laughs> Evan has left the building. That's a, 18 right. pounds. Uh, come on. Uh, sorry. My bad. My bad. Important to note the Bengals have ruled out tackle Jonah Williams, uh, guard Alex Kappa for Sunday's divisional playoff versus the I Bills. Mean, Jonah Williams wasn't playing excellent anyway. Yeah, well, that is, that is all fact. Who is the most important player, most important player for each team this weekend. Some of the answers will surprise you. Harry's going to tell you. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Playoffs. Don't matter how we win, it's if we win. Continuing in-depth coverage. Windows my whole career. It all begins each morning at 6 Eastern with Keyshawn J. Will and Max and continues all day on ESPN Radio. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. You can hang out with us. You can tweet us at hdouglas83, at Jason Fitz. Super easy to get to us. We love uh, chatting with you guys out there. By the way, Harry, you know I love to compliment Christine Lisi after she leaves the room. Uh, she was total professional. I just spent a whole segment saying that I put a bunch of money on the Bengals. She did not. Uh, she didn't throw anything at me. She didn't yell at me, and she has not yet told me that I'm not welcome to any of the victory snacks if the uh, the Bills win. So, uh, a compliment to Christine being totally. I just want them cookies, man. Because like, let me tell you. But she's the ultimate professional, and just happens to be lovely, sweet, does her job at a very high level. Oh yeah. Um, I don't think she knows how much her messages mean to me when she sends me a message about, you know, our show and stuff. It means a lot, Christine. So thank you for your words of encouragement. Truly I just wanted to the, make sure you knew that. One of the nicest people I've ever worked with in any of my careers. All right. We are going to break down the matchups from a different sp- spot here. Instead of just going through and talking about quarterbacks or going through talking about these games uh, from a general standpoint, we're going to dig into a little specifics here, and especially with Harry Douglas's expertise. Harry, I'm going to ask you, we're going to go through every team. We're going to do an either or. Who's uh-huh. more important on each team? Are you ready for this? Are you ready? Oh, well, I'm ready. I'm ready for you to educate me. That's what you, you stay do. stay ready. You don't have to get ready, well, baby. That, that. Hey, you know what? I 
actually since you're a little Dicky fan, I, I went. Well, I'm certainly not a big Dicky fan. I went to uh, I went to bed last night <laughs> in my workout clothes because I didn't want to have to get ready in the morning. So did I do that? I I stayed ready so I didn't have to get ready. All right, 49ers. Who's more important you're this weekend? Insane, Honey, thank you very much. Uh, and boy, I looked I looked fly this morning. Who's who's more important on each team? Debo on on the 49ers. Debo. Or Christian McCaffrey this weekend? This is a tough one. I mean, we're out the gate with a really, really hard one Mm because I think both of these guys are very important to what the San Francisco 49ers want to do. But I'm going to go with Debo because Mm. he can add the lining up in the backfield and rushing the football, in which we've seen last year in this matchup. And we've also seen some this year. But he's a guy that you can throw a screen pass and he can take it the distance. Not saying Christian McCaffrey couldn't do that, but he's also a guy that can line up and run routes all the way down the football field on every level. So I'm going to go with Debo in that sense. I'm, I'm surprised. I really thought the answer would be Christian McCaffrey just because I am dumbfounded by what he did last week. But what you're saying makes a ton of sense. Let's go to the Eagles next. Yep. Miles Sanders or the great, the incomparable, the amazing AJ Brown. I'm just saying it like that because I want to remind <laughs> Titans fans it was stupid to let, let him go. No. Uh, AJ Brown or Miles Sanders? I don't want people to think I'm biased because I used to play wide receiver in the National Football League, but I know what AJ Brown did to this football team. I watched AJ Brown when he was with the Tennessee Titans and what he meant to that football team when he was there and Ryan Tannehill, who was the quarterback. Seeing this game, and if Wink Martindale decides that he wants to blitz, and you need that guy to catch that 50-50 ball that y'all call it. I call it 100-100 ball in my eyes. That's, that's how receivers think. It's 100-100 in our eyes. We need to get but that you, put on a shirt. But 100, you 100? have that big-bodied guy that can go up and make those contested catches that can bounce off defenders and still take it the distance. So I'm going to go with A.J. Brown in these regards because the run game, yes, it goes through Miles Sanders, but it's it, Sanders, but it's also with Jalen Hurts as well and the rest of those running backs added to it. I love what you're saying. I think you're a thousand percent right. By the way, let's point out that he says hunted hunted. I could be saying uh-uh. hunt hunted hunted hunted. Right. Hunted honey? We're saying the same thing, right? Like hunted hunted? Hunted hunted. Hunted hunted. hunted. Like I I <laughs> Okay. All right. Let's uh <laughs> let's go now to the Bengals. Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm. T. Higgins, oh, Joe Mixon. Man. Here we go again. I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, I am not biased. You know what? You know what? Forget that one. It's too much offense. Sam Thank Hubbard you. or Trey Hendrickson. I'm going to go Trey Hendrickson. Oh, I love that. You're, you're looking at that. a guy, and I've watched him a lot when he was in New Orleans before he actually came to the Cincinnati Bengals. You talk about a 2001, a guy that had 14 sacks and really took this defense to another level. Have He has eight sacks right now. But in a game like this, where the offensive line for the Buffalo Bills are struggling, I can see Trey Henderson having a sack and a half or two sacks and really putting his input and his stamp on this ballgame. What the hell is it going to take for us as a football community to start mm-hmm. giving Trey Hendrickson some of the credit he deserves? He is a great pass Oh, I rusher. know about him. So. I, I know. I, I feel like <laughs> he the gets guys, it from me. Every time I talk to guys that cover the game, everybody mentions him. But when we're just sitting here having conversations casually about disruptors on the defensive side of the ball. You want to know I, why? Because it's... It's not sexy the way he, he he does it. Like you know what I mean? It's not 
He's not flashy. He just goes about his business, bring his hard head in his lunch pail, just goes to work. He's bringing sexy back to me. All right, let's go to the Bills next. <laughs> what? I know. Sorry, Trey. Uh, still come on the show. I promise I won't make it awkward. Well, I might. Uh, Tredavious White or Matt Milano for the Bills? I'm going to go T. White mm, because of call. the skill position groups of the Cincinnati Bengals. Tredavious White, he's going to have to play an excellent ball game and guarding Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and even Tyler Boyd if he's matched up with them. So he's going to have his hands full. Uh, and if he can't play at a very, very high level and play excellent, then the Bills are going to struggle defensively. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I love like Evan doing a nice job giving us some defensive options. Yes. Let's go to the Jags next. Christian Kirk, who, by the way, mm-hmm. boy, I don't hear a lot of people complaining about that contract now. Christian Kirk or Travis Etienne? This is tough because I've seen the Jaguars, you know, abort the run game and be one-dimensional Granted, who they were playing. I don't know if they can do that against the Kansas City Chiefs because Chris Jones in that first matchup was a man's child um, and and got to Trevor Lawrence a few times. So I'm going to go Travis Etienne because I think the balance offensively, running the football and passing the football is going to be very – it's going to be something that has to be effective for the Jaguars in this matchup. So I'm going to go Travis Etienne. I am singing hallelujah with you. If Etienne goes off, there is no chance that that the Jags don't keep this close to me. All right, let's go with this one. This one's a little bit of a twist here. Mm -hmm. More important in the matchup, Nick Bosa or Micah Parsons? Ooh. I've stumped him. I stumped stumped him. No, for me, it's going to be Micah Parsons. Yep. I look at this game last year, and the Dallas Cowboys had zero sacks. I also look at a rookie quarterback in Brock Purdy. And if the Dallas Cowboys have any chance in this ballgame, you have to make that rookie look like a rookie and feel uncomfortable. The best player on the Dallas Cowboys football team, offensively, defensively, or special teams, is Michael Parsons. He has to be great. He has to be the game record that he is in this matchup. And he has to put his stamp on the game as well. I could not agree more, and I said it last week. Quinn was going to have to be creative in his usage of Parsons against Brady. He was. If he is equally creative of his usage in Parsons in this situation, he could create mistakes, which is what Brock Purdy has been able to avoid. If he makes those mistakes, man, all of a sudden that game's going to change. Now, I know what everybody's thinking. You didn't get to the Giants. We're about to, all right? Because the Giants are an even bigger discussion. For all we love to talk about Daniel Jones, the real question is who's going to mean more to this matchup this weekend? Is it Daniel Jones or is it Saquon? We're going to answer that. We're going to figure it out, and you guys can chime in. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Your thoughts. Who's more important this weekend, Saquon or Daniel Jones? We'll break it down for you next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Giants play the Eagles this weekend. The Eagles have a far bigger rest advantage. We're in a short week here. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. I understand we just played these guys twice here in the last month. In December, the Eagles put up 48 points, over 400 yards, rushed for over 200 yards against this Giants defense. If you're a Giants defender, you're damn right we're going to check Jalen Hurts' oil. We're going to see how healthy he is. It's going to be crazy. The playoffs, we had a bye week. The Savages will be out, baby. We can't wait for Saturday who means more in the matchup between the Giants and the Eagles, Daniel Jones 
More Saquon Barkley. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and of course, your smart speakers. All you got to do is say, hey, play ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas has been answering these. We'll take your calls. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Who means more? Harry, who do you got? I'm going to go with Saquon Barkley. Uh, for the New York Giants. And the reason why is that this is a run-first football team. It was like that coming into the season. It was like that the entire season as well. The New York football Giants, they're fourth in rushing in football as a team. Saquon Barkley as an individual is fourth in rushing uh, as well. In the six games that Saquon Barkley played that they lost, the Giants, that is, he averaged 51 points uh, yards per game. In the wins that they have that Saquon Barkley played in, he averaged 104 yards per game. We also got to remember that the Giants can't afford in this matchup to be one-dimensional and pass the football because we also got to go back to that first matchup in which they gave up seven sacks. And we got to be reminded of the defensive line of the Philadelphia Eagles. And if the Giants become one-dimensional, it's hunting season. And I'm not talking about for deer. Uh, hunting, hundred, 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 hunting, hunting ball, hunting, hunting. Season. Okay, well, you <laughs> think it's Saquon? Before I give you my thoughts on this one, because I think mm-hmm. it's complicated. Let's go to Tom in Florida. Tom calling us triple eight. Say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Tom, thanks for calling the show, man. What you got? Who's more important in this one? Hey guys, congrats on the new show. Thanks, um, man. I think it's Daniel Jones. I think it's Daniel Jones in the run game specifically. He has to. We know Philly's going to come after him with all the sacks they have on Philly. So if Jones could escape the pocket and steal a couple first downs, maybe not seven like he did last week, but, you know, three, four, five first downs throughout the game, that's going to open it up for the pass game, and it's going to open up for Saquon to be a nice compliment. So I think it's Daniel Jones in the run game specifically, and then uh, the Giants will go as far as, as, as Dan could run. Tom, I love the call. Thanks for calling us, man. We appreciate it. And I think the answer for me is complicated, right? Because you know me, Harry. I can take like the simplest thing and suddenly make it weirdly complicated for no good reason. It's why I'm just impossible to be around. But hear me out. I think you're right. Saquon playing well is more important. But the other side of it is Daniel Jones not playing poorly is equally important. Like, Uh, They can survive a mediocre game from Daniel Jones where he just doesn't screw up and Saquon goes off, yes. But if if Daniel Jones comes in and struggles, if Daniel Jones makes some of those mistakes because the moment feels too big, if Daniel Jones turns the football over, if Daniel Jones plays tight, I don't think they can win. I think you're right. Saquon has to be great for them to win. I just think the other side of the seesaw that I always talk about on this show, it seems like, like on one side of it is Saquon must be great. On the other side of it is, boy, Daniel Jones better not suck. Well, yeah, Daniel Jones can't go out there and stink the place up. But I think when you're looking at the baseline of the New York football Giants, we're not going into this game saying that they're a pass-first football team. They're a run-first football team. That's been their identity the entire year. So why would you get to a game versus the Philadelphia Eagles and think that's going to change? Right? We Coming into the season, we said for Daniel Jones, we need Saquon Barkley. We need the run game to be a vital part of our offensive system to complement what Daniel Jones is able to do. That's what that, That's been the M.O. the entire season for New York, for the Giants. So I just think when you look at a guy like Saquon Barkley, and the numbers don't lie, it just it tells the story. In the six losses, Saquon Barkley averages 51 yards per game. In the, uh, the wins, he averages 104 yards per game. So that also lets you know that when he's thriving, the rest of the offense is thriving. When he's not, the offense isn't minus, I would say, probably one game, the Minnesota one 
uh, during the regular season? I feel like part of this for me also comes back to like the absolute man crush at this mm-hmm. point. I keep saying the street team. Like if I, if there was a fan club for Brian Dable, I think I would actually be the president of the fan club. Like mm-hmm. I'd get everybody the outfits. I'd get everybody the t-shirts. We'd show up at the stadium. We'd, we'd dress like Dable. We'd act like Dable. I believe that Dable knows what you know, obviously, yep. and that is go- he's going to come in with a great game plan. I also believe he has to come in with a great game plan. Like there is a little perception, and I think it was Ryan Clark this morning on, on First Take, I think, that said, you know, essentially, hey, we didn't see something from Daniel Jones we're talking about. We saw Daniel Jones beat up on the Vikings. Like, the, there is a moment here where I, 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 we have to understand a little bit of context on who they played last week. Yeah. Also, a little bit of context to the way that you're going to beat this Philadelphia team twofold is going to be about Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, gotta be, Saquon. Got to be balanced. Got to be balanced. And also, Saquon is not just a rusher. He's a guy that can do it in the pass game as well, so that's another dimension that he adds to it. Now, granted, I know Daniel Jones can add to the run game as well, but Saquon Barkley being able to be a threat out of the backfield catching the football is going to be a huge part in this game, I think, so also. But I think there's also a ton of pressure on the Giants' defense. Like, you've got you've got a hobbled quarterback you're taking on, and you've but you've got a bunch of weapons on this offense. Like, the Giants' defense is going to have to go in and lay the wood from the outset. They're going to have to set the tone physically. It's cliche. You. I mean, like... Lay the wood. Yeah, they're going to have to come out there and be like, this is our game, <laughs> and you are just welcome to be on the field. I while mean, I come. know it's Freaky Friday, but damn, Fitz, I, mean, I ain't know you was getting into it that fast. Uh, I'm buy you dinner first. I mean, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. Just, uh, Matt and Michigan, let's see if we can get you in here. We're up against it, Matt, but I want you to get your call in. What you got, Matt? Well, um, thank you for the segue. The Giants, I mean, ultimately you guys are downplaying the fact that Minnesota is still an NFL football team, correct, with NFL players. So regardless of whether or not we think his performance was good against a bad defense, I don't think that's the point. He went on the road. He played against NFL football players and showed out. Did something that no NFL player or quarterback has ever done in history, and we're downplaying that. If that was Tom Brady or anybody else, we would be talking about how great he is. I think the Giants win the football game and call me crazy. I don't even like the Giants, but I think they win the football game. Uh, we're, not, we're not downplaying any. Like, well, I spent all Monday calling him Danny Dollars because I think he got himself paid. But you're sitting here saying every NFL team deserves the same level of credit. If he goes out there and beat the Texans, you doing that? Like The Vikings defense was actually worse statistically than the Texans. At the bottom of Let the total that pole sink in. all year. Last, It was last in the league. All right, you know who's always first in the league? Field Yates. Field Day Friday coming up next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.